This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. This week, could your workplace wellness program force you to take a genetic test? Why would I risk my genetic privacy for testing that is inaccurate in a program that doesn't work very well that might get seen by the boss? The threat to your genetic privacy when Radio Health Journal returns. Patients suffering from movement disorders like Parkinson's disease or essential tremor often battle debilitating loss of muscle control, involuntary movement, and reduced coordination. Deep brain stimulation therapy can help patients manage those symptoms and improve quality of life. Now the FDA has approved a new deep brain stimulation option, the St. Jude Medical Infinity Deep Brain Stimulation System. The system is designed to help patients live their best life by fueling independence from uncontrolled symptoms of their condition. The new St. Jude Medical Infinity DBS system also puts patients first, offering a programmer compatible with iPod mobile digital device and a recharge-free battery. Neurosurgeon Zachary Levine from Holy Cross Hospital has used the new Infinity system from St. Jude Medical and has seen the positive impact the therapy has had on his patients. Specialists working with patients suffering from movement disorders like Parkinson's disease and a central tremor need new and advanced deep brain stimulation options. The new St. Jude Medical Infinity DBS system helps me provide my patients a new choice to help manage their symptoms and recapture their quality of life. My patients have particularly responded well to the new iPod Touch patient controller and battery that requires no recharging for the life of the device. To learn more, visit sjm.com. As with any surgical procedure, the implantation of a deep brain stimulation system can involve risk. Patients receiving a system may experience stroke-like symptoms, such as weakness, numbness, and problems with vision or slurred speech. In the event a patient is not satisfied with their therapy, St. Jude Medical Infinity DBS systems can be turned off or removed surgically. Risks associated with brain surgery may include serious or fatal complications, such as coma, bleeding, paralysis, seizures, or infection. Patients should talk to their physician to fully understand all the risks and benefits benefits of deep brain stimulation and to determine whether the therapy is right for them and their condition. The speaker may be paid by St. Jude Medical, but the content of this presentation represents the beliefs of the speaker and not necessarily the views of St. Jude Medical. Genetic testing carries enormous amounts of potential and peril. Tests can be used to find a risk of future disease and point the way toward preventing it. But in the wrong hands, that same information can be used to deny insurance or terminate employment. And people's fear of that was made clear early on. Dr. Derek Scholes is Director of Science Policy for the American Society of Human Genetics. The origins of when the fear of genetic discrimination first came to light was during the early years of the Human Genome Project back in the 90s when we understood that in future years we'd know a lot more about people's genetics. But people were fearful of the potential for genetic discrimination, so they would be fearful of undergoing genetic testing or, for that matter, participating in the research needed to develop those tests. There was a great fear back in the 2000s that people were avoiding genetic tests for breast cancer, Huntington's disease, other 
diseases and risk factors that might be detected through genetic testing because they thought they would lose their health insurance. They thought that they might be discriminated against in terms of being hired for employment because employers frequently cover health insurance costs. That's Dr. Arthur Kaplan, director of the Division of Medical Ethics at New York University. He says Congress passed a landmark genetic privacy law in 2008 to help ease those fears. It's called the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, or GINA. GINA was intended to say, look, those risks are off the table. Employers can't see them, and don't worry, you can't use them to underwrite out something that's detected by a genetic test. GINA has two overriding protections. One, one cannot discriminate. Two, employers can't even ask for the information. And it does not take away the fact that if one were to discriminate, such as firing someone because of a particular genetic profile, it doesn't take that away. That would still be illegal. However, the reason why GINA and in fact the ADA as well have these privacy protections is it's difficult to demonstrate when genetic discrimination or discrimination based on health factors had actually occurred. So the logic behind the laws is that if you restrict the employees even having access to the information, they can't use the information to discriminate if they don't even have access to the information. Employee wellness programs have more latitude, but just a little. They can ask employees in a health risk assessment about their family medical history and genetic tests they've had, but the employee doesn't have to answer. They are allowed to ask the questions, but answering those questions is completely voluntary. They can't be rewarded for answering the questions, nor can they be penalized for choosing to keep their information private. But all that would change if a bill in Congress, H.R. 1313, becomes law. The name of the bill is what? The Preserving Workplace Wellness Programs Act. We call that, and this is a term I actually coined, we call that the Preserving Wellness or Else Program. That's Dr. John Robeson, co-founder of the Salveo Partners Consulting Firm, which specializes in employee well-being. It's really a follow-up to the, the Safeway Amendment in 2010, which began this whole idea of, well, it didn't begin it, but it really pushed it to the forefront, this whole idea that companies could say to their employees, if you don't participate in this program, we will fine you. So this is really what I would term a slippery slope of that. What the Safeway Amendment says is that if there is a reward for participation in a wellness program or a penalty for non-participation in a wellness program, then there are no limits on that if it's merely for participation. However, if it's for a health contingent program, they're allowed to vary by up to 30 to 50% of the total cost of coverage. Just to put one or two numbers on it, a Kaiser Family Foundation survey that looks at this every year, and the the average cost is around about $18,000. So if you, for such a plan, under the Affordable Care Act, the maximum penalty you could be asked to pay for not meeting the health standard setting, it would be next to $9,000. So that would be on top of the premiums you're already paying. In other words, Scholes says, the law now says that if you refuse to participate in the wellness program, you can be forced to pay 50% more for your company-sponsored health insurance than you would if you'd said yes. H.R. 1313 would extend that, so GINA would no longer apply to wellness programs. 
The effect of this? Wellness programs could demand that you take a genetic test or be fined thousands of dollars. What HR 1313 would do, it would negate those protections so that participation in the wellness program that includes giving up genetic information or testing would no longer need to be voluntary. One could be coerced financially into providing that information and penalized if one chooses not to participate in a wellness program. And that's not all. Kaplan says if you've ever had a genetic test in the past, the wellness plan could demand the results of that too. The way I read this bill, which is moving through the House of Representatives at the federal level, is it makes all genetic information available to the wellness program, not just new testing, but prior testing. So if you know you have a genetically based disease or you once sent your DNA off and got a report on it back from one of the commercial companies or maybe because you had a risk factor in a relative, you got genetically tested, all that should be fair game for the wellness company to look at. And then ultimately, I would think the HR department to take a look at. By the way, one other thing to keep in mind about giving up genetic privacy. When we're talking genetics, tests tell us things not only about ourselves, but about our biological relatives, our siblings, our children. They may not have signed up for anything. Who's to say that information about them wouldn't be used against them when they went to get a job? So what would a wellness program do with this information in the first place? The trade association, Wellcoa, which represents thousands of wellness program firms, doesn't seem to think they need it. They've come out against the bill, and Kaplan says a lot of the information in a genetic test isn't worth much to a wellness plan. The genetic testing for many of these conditions isn't particularly accurate. There are a lot of variations and mutations and differences that make it hard to say, oh, you will have develop diabetes with certainty or even with a very high risk. Sometimes you're saying, oh, you have a 10% more chance, we think. A lot of the databases also don't work for people who are Asian American or Indian American or Korean American. They haven't been tested on those groups. That's not whose genes have been analyzed, so they don't necessarily apply there. And so Many people would argue wellness programs don't need genetic risk information, and they should not have access to that. You shouldn't get rid of GINA. You should, in fact, simply say, look, if you're going to have a wellness program, you can get all you need to get by taking some blood pressures, weighing people, asking people to pee in a cup in terms of smoking or drug use, and this genetic thing is just going too far, and it isn't accurate enough to justify going there anyway. You don't need someone's genetic information to organize a walking club or a brown bag lunch that teaches you about your diet or tobacco cessation program. These are the kinds of things that we can all benefit from. Regardless of your genetics, it's good to exercise, it's good to eat a healthy diet, and it's not good for your health to uh, use tobacco products. So it's not clear to us how they would hope to use genetic information in a way that would provide programs that improve employee health. But some wellness programs say genetic testing has a place in what they do. They say testing could help them better target their efforts to save both lives and money. And Skold says, done correctly, that could be true. So, for instance, within a clinic in the workplace, a woman might do a family history survey, and based on that, they realize that several members of her family have had breast or ovarian cancer, so then the wellness program might recommend 
that they undergo genetic testing to see if they have a variant that increases their risk for breast or ovarian cancer. Based on that, they might recommend whether they should have prophylactic surgery. All of those programs, we would argue, are very good and worthwhile. But the point is it should be voluntary. One should not be coerced into going to those programs and giving up that information or penalize thousands of dollars, just like one would not be penalized thousands of dollars for not going to the doctors and so on. Robeson says if H.R. 1313 passes, the coercion that's possible could mean that wellness programs do more harm than good. Where the real savings can really be had in business is the miserable engagement levels that we have. I mean, we're around 30, 32, 33 percent. I mean, we're talking about, you know, probably half a trillion dollars a year. And you're not going to improve engagement by telling people what to do and finding them if they don't do it. I just think that's a really, really bad way to go, and this is going to make it worse. And Robeson and Kaplan wonder, why would your corporate plan have so much power over your genetic information when wellness programs themselves don't even work? You know, if you look at anything but vendor-sponsored research since 2010, there's no research that supports that these programs either save money or improve health. I mean, if you look at people, you know, like the RAND Corporation, I mean, they're saying that these programs don't even pay for themselves. The wellness programs themselves, they've not been, I would say, extensively evaluated, but the evaluations that have been done don't show that they work very well. <laughs> they don't really get permanent change in blood pressure or weight or diabetes control or stopping smoking or drinking. They may get an initial response, but pretty soon everybody slips back to the bad old habits. So question becomes, why would I risk my genetic privacy for testing that is inaccurate in a program that doesn't work very well that might get seen by the boss. And that is probably the biggest objection of all to H.R. 1313. If the wellness program gets the data, what's to stop them from sharing it since they're under a contract with the boss, with the employer? And I do think that is a huge hole put in the dike that Gina was meant to prevent information flow back to the boss about your not just genetic diseases, but genetic risk factors. A wellness program vendor would no longer have to abide by such a restriction. And they actually would be no law. In some cases, there would be no law that would require them to keep the information secret at all. So they could share it with the employer. They could share it with other companies, they could sell the information, there would be no restriction. So that is a concern of ours. Robeson is co-founder of an organization that's proposed a code of conduct for wellness programs that includes a refusal to share information without permission. That group is online at ethicalwellness.org. Without safeguards, if H.R. 1313 is approved, Scholes says genetic research could be right back where it was in the days before GINA, when people were afraid to sign up for the Human Genome Project, just what scientists don't want as they try to recruit a million people for the Precision Medicine Project. Scientists fear that research will grind to a halt if everyone's genetic information is an open book. You can find out more about all of our guests on our website, RadioHealthJournal.net. I'm Reed Pence. Medical Notes This Week Most of the attention on concussions in sports has centered on football, 
but a new study presented to the American Academy of Neurology shows that female athletes are more likely than men to suffer a concussion, even when football is considered. A study of 228 college athletes shows that 23% of women and 17% of men suffered concussions during their careers. Symptoms were similar, except that men suffered more amnesia and women suffered more insomnia. People who live extremely healthy lifestyles and have no family history, yet still develop cancer may wonder, why me? The answer? It's a typo. A study in the journal Science finds that DNA typos are responsible for nearly two-thirds of the genetic changes that cause cancer, far more than those triggered by heredity or the environment. Researchers say overall, 66% of cancer mutations result from copying errors, 29% are due to lifestyle or the environment, and 5% are inherited. And finally, firstborn children get all of their parents' attention, at least for a while, and don't have to wear hand-me-downs. Now a study in the Journal of Human Resources finds that firstborns are also typically smarter than their younger siblings. Researchers say the results show up as early as age one and result from more parental engagement with the firstborn child. And that's Medical Notes this week. More in a moment. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTrax Communications. If you enjoyed this week's show, please leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on iTunes, Stitcher, and at RadioHealthJournal.net.